0: Hi, this is Sylvan. I'm the co-founder of AppTanin and you're listening
1: to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast, straight from your host, Paul the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I am your host. It's Paul Kemp. Uh, I am thrilled today because I've got someone in my one of my favorite places on the planet. It, he's. Uh, uh, in Seattle and his name is uh, Roby Ganguly and he is the CEO and co-founder of Apptentive and uh, we'll learn about Apptentive you can be very much welcome to go and check them out uh, go and just, just uh, type in Apptentive and you'll see uh, that they have a website there with uh, uh, showing you what they're offering which is in-app feedback and uh, we're going to learn about Roby and his journey as CEO of this uh, company and uh, how they're helping out uh, the, the users for, for providing feedback so uh, Roby it's a warm welcome to you on the App Guy podcast.
0: Hey, Paul. Great to, great to be here. Thanks for the invitation.
1: Uh, well, first of all, I mean, I did say it's my favorite place. Oh, seriously, it must be an awesome place to work. Loads of startups, loads of uh, entrepreneurs, big network. Tell us what it's like to work in Seattle.
0: Um, yeah, you're, you're right. It is a really great p- place to work. Right now I'm looking outside and while we are often uh, lamented as being really rainy, what people don't know is that uh, there's sun out every day pretty much. And right now the sun is out. So I actually wish I was outside taking a walk. Um, it's a, it's a great community. We have a lot of amazing software engineers, you know, Amazon, Microsoft, Boeing. They've been here for years, you know, just really bringing talent to the area. And so we have a lot of amazing software companies that are being built out of uh, teams of people who left those companies to do their own thing. Um,
1: are you taking a ferry to work by any chance? <laughs>
0: I do not. But, you know, what's funny is that our office is right next to the ferry building. So, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty easy for us to, to hop on it and go over to the islands when it's sunny out.
1: Well, this show is all about inspiration. So if anyone's hearing that, you know, the fact that you're living ne- near a ferry terminal and you can just hop <laughs> on a ferry, that's, uh, that's pretty, it's pretty good. It's uh, well, we'd love to know about uh, your journey with Apptentive. Perhaps you can go back to the start. You know, how did you you get the idea and, and then how did you actually do the 80% of the work, which is execute on that idea?
0: <laughs> it's, it's more like 99%. Um, so... Uh, We came up with the idea um, years ago when I was driving up with uh, one of my co-founders. So I I used to live in San Francisco. I'm I'm very familiar with the Bay Area. And so I moved back to Seattle in 2008. um, And uh, I was fortunate to have one of my co-founders, Andrew Wooster, drive with me. And it was the end of 2008, and he had left Apple uh, about nine months prior, and I had left Yahoo at the same time. And he was working on the iPhone apps and, and so we drove up and what, what we talked about was the app store. Right. We just spent like thirteen hours in the car talking about the fact that he had twelve apps in the app store and talking about the fact that some of his customers didn't know that he had other apps. And I asked him, you know, if he could communicate with those customers, if if he knew what they wanted, he knew knew what they needed next, how he can make the app better. Um, and we just spent a good amount of that time just talking about all of the things that we thought could be better about software and software communication with customers, right? We think that there are a lot of companies in the world that make software today, and it's not just like a software developer, it's, it's uh, you know, a company like Starbucks makes a, an app that you use on your phone to purchase, uh, purchase your Starbucks. Um, so we talked a lot on that drive just about how important it was gonna be for those companies to actually communicate with the people using their software. And, uh, and that was really the, the germ that kind of sparked what we were doing um, and, and like many other startups, I think, uh, that was not when we started building it. You know, we didn't start building it until a few years later when it kept nagging at us. We were always talking about this idea, and it looked like it was way more important, so in 2011, we actually started to build it because myself and Andrew Wooster and Mike Saffitz, our CTO, just kept kind of emailing and chatting about it from time to time, and so, you know, there was a, it was a big lag between the, the idea and then starting to do the hard work
1: Yeah. What were you doing in the meantime? Uh, Was were you working on some other things together? Or or was this a case of actually leaving what you were doing to pursue this idea?
0: Well, so both Andrew and I had left uh, Apple and Yahoo in 2008, about the same time to go do stuff. And so he was working on his own apps. And I was actually I had joined another couple friends in a a startup um, and was, was starting to work with them. So this was something that when it came up, it came up sort of like a, a, a flash, but we were already on on different paths. And Mike was working full-time at Microsoft on um, a lot of their mobile efforts at that time too. So it was uh, it was something that we, we talked about but didn't do as much. And then Mike and I, Mike uh, was in Seattle and I lived here. So we spent a bunch of time on weekends just kind of trying to hack together an iPhone app and, and try to make some progress there so we could get smarter about it. And we, we put together what is probably the worst iphone app ever uh it was a little game that was kind of like a knockoff of uh catchphrase i I don't know if you've ever played that. Uh, well
1: i I would challenge you because you haven't seen any of my apps
0: (laughs) (laughs) well ours took us quite a long time and what we learned was that by the end of it um it it is that uh, wooster was way better at the ios side (laughs) than than mike or I, i could get to and um and fundamentally we started uh, to, to weave our way back to the idea over, over the co- next couple of years because we were still hacking together on stuff in the weekends, but it just, we knew that there was something bigger out there. And, and uh, I think it really came together when I was down in San Francisco having a cup of, uh, cup of coffee with, with Wooster, and we were chatting a little bit about the journeys we'd been on for a few years. And, and I just came back to this you know, in-app communication, software communication, customer-focused idea that we had talked about and gotten excited about. And he was like, yeah, we should do that. Uh, how about I just uh, just come fly up and stay with you for a month, and the three of us build it. And I was like, "That's a great idea." So uh, that's what happened. Three months later, he just flew up and he stayed on my couch for a month, and, and Mike, Andrew, and I built the first version of of what is now Optenna. Well,
1: that, that that's a wonderful story, and it, again, it's so inspirational to hear the fact that you you it had this passion to. To pursue this and you made it happen within a month was that uh, working under your own steam with your own money i'm guessing and then having a minimum viable product and then starting to seek uh, funding afterwards is that how how you would go about advising to start to start up a, an app company well
0: you know so the first thing is i would i would probably not advise to anybody to start an app company um these days what i would say is if you're making apps that you have to be thinking about the company the apps are supporting right so like there's there's more to it than just making an app today. One of the things we've seen over the past four years, for sure, is that it, it moved from a place where you could you could be a person with a few apps to people who had to really really think about their businesses and how they're connected to you know web scenarios or potentially offline scenarios to make real money. Um, uh, and I think that yeah, we were we were bootstrapped for quite a long time, and and some of that was because. That was the approach that the three and then four of us uh, co-founders um, really had at our disposal. We didn't have anybody throwing money at us, and also because we just were we were enough in alignment that this was important and that people needed this that we didn't really care. We we're like, we should make progress on this. Now it's it's like we've decided. Let's just do it. Let's keep going.
1: Right. Okay. Because like, again, that's a big challenge for people starting out. This is a genuine podcast. We're trying to uh, unravel the onion in a way and and, uh, show people that uh, it can be quite challenging to start an app. Uh, I mean, I get approached a lot from uh, potential entrepreneurs saying that they've got this great idea for an app and they think that's the end of it. But I, I think what's unique about what you were saying is that it's important to make sure that you're aligning yourself with other businesses, other markets, other audiences in a way, uh, yes. and not put everything in, in, in uh, the app. That's
0: right. That's right. Uh,
1: yeah. how, how important was it uh, having your experience with Apple and Yahoo? I mean, I can imagine that's a pretty good track record to kind of get started with uh, what, what you're doing.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're really fortunate. So, you know, there, there are four co-founders, Sky, Andrew, Mike, myself, and we spent time at Yahoo, WebEx, Apple, Tell Me, Microsoft, um, Graystripe, uh, Fortify, right? So we've been in a lot of different software and uh, technology companies. And that means that we've gotten a lot of different experiences in building software and delivering it at different scales and at different speeds and at different quality levels. And we've also gotten to see it at its best quality, at its fastest speed, right? And that, that meant that when we sat down and we said we want to do something and we would hacked something together 24 hours later, that was because we knew where, where we could go quickly and what we could get done and what, what was necessary and what wasn't and the first the first like probably nine months to a year of building the company was mostly nights and weekends and doing extra work whenever we could, and then like flying to to be together as a team because Sky and Andrew were in San Francisco, so they would fly up here and spend time and we would just crank for a weekend right forty eight hours basically work as much as possible and then go back to they would go back to their jobs and i was I was um Fortunate enough that I was, I was doing some freelance consulting and, and had more flexibility.
1: It just sounds so incredibly inspirational to have, you know, a group of, I guess, four of you that uh, obviously get on really well and you have this common purpose, common goal and you're just making it happen and finding the time to get together. How important was it for you all to get together? Because there's a lot of emphasis nowadays on remote working, but I can imagine it makes a lot of difference being all together. I
0: think the, for us, being together was very important. It was, it was hugely helpful. And I think the remote work, it, it can work, right? Like it, it takes a special set of, of people and a special set of circumstances and a real commitment to over-communicating because we take for granted how much we communicate when we're in person, you know, like body language. The unspoken stuff about uh, conversations uh, is seventy to eighty percent of the communication. So being around each other just allowed us to have more trust and more like capacity for difficulty over time. Um, and I think that every time we got together, we got we got stronger as a team.
1: Yeah, Roby, I would say that the uh, one of the big themes of this sh- uh, whole series, you know, two hundred thirty four episodes now, uh, is the uh constant theme that we come back to and the importance of co-founders and we've had some uh, entrepreneurs on here who it's gone sour and uh it's p- partly because uh, i guess they didn't have uh you know physical meetings and uh, maybe they didn't have the common purpose but uh, uh how how would you react to that if i said it's it's uh one it's incredibly important that you get on with your co-founders
0: oh yeah it's, i mean that that relationship is the is the sort of foundation of everything that comes afterwards in a a pretty meaningful way. And we went through this uh, accelerator program called Techstars. It's uh, pretty well-known globally, actually, but especially in the U.S. And we went through it in Seattle. And our managing director, Andy Sack, used to talk a lot about co-founder breakups and how many teams that went through the program eventually broke up. It's just, it's sort of a natural process of entrepreneurship. And um, trying to build something is, is that... You make some mistakes about who you're, who you're working with or you're not really clear on, on what your goals are. And so I think one of the things that we've done pretty well is that we've always tried to really be clear in communication about our expectations, all four of us, and what we really wanted out of this and what we, what we stood for um, and how we were going to operate together. And I think that helped us a lot. But um, <laughs> I think we also got lucky in that sense
1: well i also think it's, it's invaluable advice i can imagine now it's a lot easier because you have uh, your background you mentioned all these companies that you and the co-founders were working for so i mean it's incredibly trustworthy you know like i guess if you go and speak to uh, vcs or angel money and you you have tech you've come through tech stars and i'm guessing they supported you financially as well as uh you know providing office space and stuff and uh uh, and, and so, how easy is it now to go through the the funding and and grow the company
0: you know it 's always a challenge I think um, the the truth at least from my perspective is that uh, most entrepreneurs don 't relish fundraising it 's always you 're out there doing something that 's not like core to building your business and so that part can be really that can be challenging and then we're in an environment where there are a lot of companies doing really well, and so you have to you have to be really um, doing something unique and, and, and powerful and, and tell a really good story about what you're accomplishing and then then have the facts and, and results to back it up. I think it's a really, it's an exciting time. There's a lot happening, but uh, there are amazing companies out there that are being built. And so that, you know, I think from the funding perspective is challenging for everybody. You have to stand out. And we've been fortunate to be very successful with some really meaningful customers, and we've been fortunate to find uh, investors and and partners, really, who understand what we're trying to do for the long term, Uh, because uh, a lot of people think our business is crazy. Like, the the truth of the matter is there are a lot of people that you talk to, whether they're on the investing side or they're just in general in the world, who think that it's crazy that companies should talk to their customers. They think that's very expensive, and and it's not something you can do. Um, We just happen to disagree.
1: Uh, well, I'd love to get into the mechanics of what you're doing. Just before we get there, one one last thing is I, I was actually listening to something today, and uh, it was about that the British are perhaps a little bit weaker uh, in in startups and technology. Uh, creating stories around what we're doing, because you mentioned storytelling is is a very good way of almost pitching your idea to clients, customers, in, investors. Have you got any t- Have you got any tips on? I, I, compiling a story and putting it together and, and making it compelling for all the uh, stakeholders that you're speaking with?
0: Um, so, what I usually lean on for most of the audiences I speak to um, is the story of our customer, like the, the problem that they deal with and how we can help, but what their lives are like first and foremost. So, for example, we work with a, a very large um, offline retailer that has lots of physical locations and it sells tons of office goods. Right? And what we know about their business is that they have a lot of their customers moving online to the web and then to mobile. And in fact, the transition to mobile is much faster than they anticipate, and they don't have enough people on their team. And when we come in, we help their team execute more effectively because of the things that we do. And I can, I can you know, get really specific about that, but those are the kinds of stories that are really easy to tell when you can talk not about yourself or about your company, but really about the things you're doing for your customers, whoever they may be, uh, and how that makes their lives better. And I, I tend to find that that's a much easier story to tell. It feels less forced.
1: Yeah, I almost feel like it's, again, you you listen to anything in life, nobody's particularly interested in how long you've been established and what your backgrounds are. And, uh, you know, they're more interested in, and and in a way, you know, we have, uh, I guess, human beings have an easier way of remembering stories, you know, some kind of narrative and uh, recalling that. So, uh, yeah, we'd love to know a little bit more specifically then how how you are actually uh, helping your customers uh, communicate with uh, users.
0: Yeah, so for example, let, let me like play that scenario out and then I can tell you a bit more um, generically. Like, so this, this retailer has lots of stores and they have people all using their mobile app to order from those stores. And sometimes when they order, they order so they can pick it up at a store because that's very convenient for them. And for that, that retailer, right, that's a really good uh, way to utilize their stores which are getting less traffic on a regular basis, right? So they, they continue to have like a very good uh, offline presence because the mobile app is helping them drive people there and when a customer makes an order for something to pick up and then picks it up, our customer wants to find out if that customer had a good experience, right? They want to find out if the consumer went, picked it up, and it was good because if it wasn't, they want to figure out how to improve it and if it was, they want to sort of reinforce that they've done a good job and maybe once they've made a customer really happy, they'll ask that person to say something nice about them in social media or in the app store. Those are all scenarios and communications that they can trigger using us. That They can, at those various touch points, like after somebody's made a purchase, um, reach out and figure out how they're doing. And then if the customer's really unhappy, they can take them to a, like a, a chat right? and solve their problem right there and try to, try to do something about it. So we power those kinds of communications inside the app. And, and to be more um, generic about it, we have SDKs. iOS and Android developers take our SDKs. They put them in their apps and they power in-app feedback, real-time chat, surveys, really intelligent rating prompts that help figure out the right time, the right place uh, to talk to people who are happy, and um, a whole bunch of other communications tools that allow customers to to let people know about what's going on in the app and improve it.
1: You know, I'm almost thinking back to an earlier episode, episode uh, 50-ish with Alex Grenadinic, and he was talking about the importance of feedback and putting those types of tools in in apps. But we were thinking about it from uh, the perspective of just an indie app developer getting user feedback. And what, what I think is very compelling is you've taken that to a, a business-to-business type solution which, uh, because you don't want those customers going to social media and complaining, you want them in a chat room complaining to you personally, don't you, I guess, as a as a client. And, uh, and it also reviews. Uh, I can imagine that you get a lot more uh, five-star reviews uh, for the apps because uh, you're asking at the right times.
0: Yep, we have, uh, we, we see, um, we see this across the board. You know, customers who use us and use our tools tend to get five to 10 times the number of, uh, five-star reviews, because they're making people a lot happier. They're figuring out who's, who's excited. Um, and you know you mentioned independent app developers. And, and I was talking about a large company that maybe everybody could be familiar with that kind of use case. But we were tons of indie developers, because you know the early days of building a company, and, and you were asking me about us building a startup, the early days are all powered by the few customers you can get and trying to figure out what's going on. Because you know your product's not very good. You know your product's just a guess. So when you're on your own and you're starting out and you've got kind of a small thing that's going on and you're, you're trying to build that community, just listening to people and figuring out where to go next and what you're doing well and why people love what you're doing already, like that is super powerful.
1: And uh, how, how would actually uh, they go about doing that? Then I'm guessing that they would go to your uh, site and get the information on the SDK that they can use uh, and download and, and to, to incorporate into their own apps.
0: That's right. They would just go to apptenant.com. And uh, we have a 30 day free trial and we actually have uh, uh, a free plan that uh, caters to a lot of small uh, early stage apps. And then it starts to grow, you know, as your app grows and you're more successful. So it's pretty simple. It takes about 15 minutes.
1: Wonderful. Uh, Well, there's two things we need to try and squeeze in before we uh, say goodbye to you, Roby. And uh, one of them is that. Uh, we love coming up with new ideas. And when we speak to uh, entrepreneurs like yourself, uh, that you, you must uh, have thought of another idea for an app that perhaps you're not going to work on that you could share with us. If you have an app idea, great. If you don't, don't worry. We've got another way of fleshing one out from you. But I wondered if you had uh, an idea that you thought about that you're willing to share with us.
0: Yeah, I've actually been thinking about this app idea and I've talked about it I think maybe one or two other places I'm not sure. I sometimes I get this question. Um but I still don't see the app. So I'm going to bring it up with you. So the uh I take the the bus quite a bit here in Seattle. We at 10 we love public transportation. So I take the bus and what I would love to do is combine my like bus app, you know, with my music app so that my bus app would say, okay, you know, you're going to wait for five minutes, and then you're going to take a bus ride for 20 minutes, and you'll be at your destination in 25 minutes. And it takes that, and it just randomly, from my music selection, puts together the perfect playlist for that length. And I would just like listen to it for 25 minutes, unadulterated, uh, and see what it came up with. I think that would be kind of fun.
1: You know, I'm going to take that one stage further. So for all the apps that try tribe listening to this, here is the app idea. Uh, how about a curated list of podcasts that come up? <laughs> so... So sort of uh, they 25 it. minutes, yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. They're 25 minutes. So exactly the length of your bus journey. And then uh, they they automatically play uh, when they can see that you have got on the bus and you're heading to work. Oh, yeah, that, that, what a great idea.
0: That would be uh, fun, right?
1: Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. So uh, anyone willing to build, uh, build that, then you've got two buyers of that already i think oh for sure yeah. <laughs> i'd pay 99 cents for that <laughs>
0: I'd pay five dollars
1: yeah so the um final thing is that we you know again love trying to get some kind of guidance on what it is like to be your you know in your shoes living your life and would you be able to give us one or two app ideas of how you go through the day uh, maybe you know either business apps or uh, personal use that, that help you uh, do what you do um, yeah one of things that you may have think we, we've not come across before
0: sure this is uh, this is great um, okay, so I have a couple the The first is one password right one password on mobile has gotten a lot better recently. I use it on my Android device. I know on iOS it's also updated. We use one password at the company. everybody has encrypted passwords. We just think that's good policy for a lot of reasons. so I love that use it across devices great stuff um, then the uh, other one is if you do like a lot of conference calls and stuff, there is this app called Mobile Day that will take it in um, with, a G- I think, Gmail and maybe a couple other calendars. It will integrate and then figure out when you have conference call information in them. And then with one click of a button for a whole bunch of these conference call numbers, it'll connect you. So it's way easier to get in. than when you're on your mobile phone and you're like trying to flip back and forth between the, the calendar and the-, the phone dialer so you can put in the code and it's just a huge pain in the ass, Mobile Day makes it easier.
1: I love that that's great i could have done with without a few years ago so uh that's uh so p- for people that are struggling to take note of those two uh app ideas then just go to theappguy.co and search for uh, episode 234 with roby Ganguly, and you'll see uh uh links to those uh things that we've mentioned uh, well i have to say roby i mean it's been a, a pleasure talking to you fully inspirational uh, wondered how best we can reach out and connect with you and apptentive
0: uh sure so um I am totally reachable by email. I'm R-O-B-I at aptentive.com. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at r That's R-G-A-N-G-U-L-Y. And uh, aptentive is at aptentive on Twitter. So we love to, uh, you know, have conversations and, and chat about how we can help out.
1: Wonderful. Um, and do you feel like we've covered everything before we say goodbye? Is there anything else you wanted to mention about aptentive or, um, you know, your, your life there in Seattle? <laughs> I
0: think uh, the thing I would say, if anybody is listening to this and wants to be in Seattle or already is and is looking for a great company, we're hiring across the board. You know, uh, lots of openings in engineering in particular we deal with. Billions of customer events and millions of customer conversations every month. So if those are problems that you're interested in helping us solve, I would love to hear from you.
1: Wonderful. Well, that's great. I mean, I I feel like that's a real bonus for people that have uh, got through the whole podcast and there's potential um, opportunities open. So uh, how would people uh, apply for that? They would go to your website, would they, or reach out to Um, you directly?
0: Yeah, reach out to me or aptentive.com slash jobs has postings up and you can apply through that.
1: Okay, Roby, thank you so much, and uh, it's been a real pleasure going through the App Guy podcast with you. All the best for uh, AppTentive, and uh, and and whenever you you're in London, you feel free to come over, and uh, we'll, we'll show you a good time.
0: That sounds awesome. Thanks, Paul.